What's up, everybody? Welcome to Take After the Take. I'm Dante Keller Woods with my main man, Michael Franz. What's up? What's up? So, so what you do uh, for the rest of your day yesterday, my man? Uh, nothing. Just uh, read some charts. Um, hung out with Venus. I watched the the Mercury win last night. That was a pretty exciting game. That was a really awesome game. It was, it was, it was a, it was a great game, which, which I'm glad you touched upon because that will be my first question. (laughs) (laughs) How, how was the, how was it watching the game and what do you feel? How do you feel about the WNBA now surging as a Um, association? Um, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I'm glad that it's starting to flourish a lot more than what it did, you know, like it, t- it took a while for, for it to, to get going. <clears throat> and we had the unfortunate side is we had a lot of stars that paved the way Yeah. that now are like this, like there's, there's no understanding for where, where the WNBA started. Right. It's like, exactly. it's now we see. We got Brittany Griner, right? We've got uh, uh, what's her name from Australia that plays for Las Vegas, right? Uh, You're talking about for the Aces? It, yeah, Cambridge, Cambridge. Uh, they got AJ, AJ, or Asia Wilson, right? Asia Wilson, Skyler. Like you got all these these stars now, but yo, where you do know about Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Swoops, right? Cheryl Swoops, Becky Hammond, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Cynthia Cooper, right? But Becky the- Hammond did have her jersey retired here in Las Vegas, though. So she's the first WNBA player um, to have her jersey retired, I believe. I don't know if Cheryl did, but I think I think she's the first one. But that's what I'm saying. Like it was it was good back then. You know, you yeah. do have a lot of you have evolution, of course. I mean, the NBA wasn't a hit overnight, right? Oh, but it's like, yo, these girls can play. Let's let's be honest, right? Well, <laughs> it may not be as flashy as the guys' game, but they're skilled. And I'm, I think, what bridges the one person that bridges everything, at least somewhat, is Diana Taurasi. Yes, yes, one hundred and ten percent. Been in the league for a minute, right? Yeah, she's been, been in the league for a minute. Bird, yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron Sue. Yeah, and 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 um I honestly think the WNBA now is surging because of the popularity of the NBA, to be completely honest. You know, yeah. I think that the popular the popularity of the NBA now is growing substantially across the world. Everybody, it used to be, oh, I want to play football, or I want to play bat uh baseball, right? Now is I want to get out there and try to play basketball and everybody's doing it. And so I think that with the NBA, the guys game growing, I feel like the WNBA is benefiting from it. Also, it was it's the players that take initiative to it. You know, it was really cool seeing D book, Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder. Yeah, they were- Chris Paul, all sitting front row at the game. 
you know, LeBron has been known to go to some of those games as well. But I want to give out Mamba shout out to my man, rest in peace, Black Mamba, who who really took the initiative, uh, started the whole girl dad thing and really started like putting emphasis on the ladies game. And I'm going to be honest, I watched the whole game last night right after, you know, that blowout of the Dallas Mavericks and the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> Luka Doncic didn't even hit his first basket until the second <laughs> They were up 40. You know, that that's a different different story, but I will tell you this. All it's showing is that the Charlotte Hornets, even though they didn't have some of their players, you know, Terry Rozier is out, Gordon Hayward is out. You talked about that yesterday. But what it really shows is that Charlotte doesn't have a bench. <laughs> so <laughs> so right. it shows that Charlotte doesn't have a bench. But getting back to what I was just saying, you know, it was really cool watching the whole game. I thought Chicago was going to pull it out and take a two to two nothing lead. But hey, this this right here makes, you know, great drama for the rest of this series because it's one one. Chicago is going to go back, probably win that game. And then Phoenix may, you know, what would be real cool if Phoenix wins pulled the next out. two. Huh? I think Phoenix wins the next two. You think Phoenix wins the next two? No, nah, man, you crazy. They got Kenneth Cooper, dog. Kenneth Cooper is Candace the – Kenneth I'm sorry. Kenneth Parker is the go- – she used to play for L.A., so Coach Cooper coached her, so that's what screwed me up. So <laughs> next, we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving went on Instagram Live yesterday, and and um, he basically talked about, you know, it's not anybody's right to tell anybody what to do with their bodies. He also talked about, you know, he's not against the anti-vaxxers and things like that. I don't think at this point anybody's having an issue with Kyrie Irving being unvaccinated. I think that this just stems. Stephen A., that's why we're called the take after the take. We kind of go along with what we saw on first take. Stephen A. made a point today to to say that it's not stemming from being vaccinated because he has some friends that are unvaccinated and he has some friends that are vaccinated. The problem is, is that this is not the first time that Kyrie Irving (laughs) is making headlines for not playing in NBA games. Last year, due to some personal issues, he missed some games. Not to mention that while he was in Cleveland, he was injury prone. So it's like the boy who cries wolf. That's why I'm basically getting from everything. The the boy, and for those that are, are really young and don't know the story of the boy that cries wolf, he basically goes, woof, 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 woof. And the guy comes over, no, and he comes over, and he starts laughing. The guy goes, okay, stop playing, kid. He does it two more times. And then on the fourth time, no one shows up, and it really was a wolf, and he got eaten (laughs) so my point is is that i think it's the same type of situation with Kyrie. Kyrie, people are wondering right now is Kyrie wanting to actually play in games or is he does he just like making the money but then he says it wasn't about the money right 
But at this point, everybody wants to know, does Kyrie really want to play? So my question to you, Mr. Michael Franz, is does Kyrie really want to play the game of basketball? Um, I think he wants – I think that there's a feeling of that he wants to play it his way. Mm, okay. Um, I think he loves the game of basketball, but I also think that he's lost a lot of love. I mean, it's clear that he has lost a lot of his enthusiasm for the game, right? Right, right. And a lot of things haven't gone his way, but the thing he needs to understand is that he brought this on, right? He brought he brought this on as far as him being in whatever feeling he's in because had he just accepted – who he was on the Cavs to, towards LeBron, right? Right. They could have had the next they, – they could have been up there with Jordan Pippen, Braun and Wade, right? Right. We're talking Shaq and Kobe, right? We're talking about powerful duos, right? right? Kyrie and Braun, they won a ring, but they could have been a lot more than what it was if Kyrie would have been – if, if he would have stayed stayed in his lane and just understood his role for what it was on the team. So now he, he's had a lot of change in his career that wasn't for the positive. Look what happened. The Boston thing was a failure. He got injured in Boston. Yeah. Fans yep. turned on him, right? He's now in Brooklyn. He doesn't – it's like he doesn't know what to do because I think he doesn't know what he wants from the game himself. But what he wants, he wants that to go his way however it is. And when you get somebody like that, that, that to me spells stubbornness. And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a stubborn individual right now. But like we said yesterday, I'm not going to complain about this stubbornness because I commend him for stepping up and saying what he said and, and, and sticking up for himself. Right. If that's what you truly believe. That's what you truly believe. Right. And I think that the, I think maybe some of the situation for the IG live turned around i mean the episode yesterday with uh Stephen a and jay williams getting into it on first take over it was literally it, it wasn't over being the distraction Stephen a is like just take the jab just take it just take it and that's the problem that people that don't want to take it they don't want to hear just take it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's the thing just like people that are they don't want to hear well, I have my reasons that I don't want to take it. Right. right. It's the same argument back and forth. Right. So, and Jay Williams made a great point. In fact, I commend him for his him standing up. He said, look, I'm not on either side, but Kyrie is standing up for himself. He has the same view that I do. But Stephen A was even getting upset at Jay Williams for that. So it's almost like, where are you really trying to go with this, Stephen A? Because are you trying to kind of force it upon or are you trying to force it upon because you don't want him to be the distraction? I don't know, but this is a big enough topic that it's going to be a distraction period, which then in turn, why I agree with the nets, make it no distraction, cut him out. Don't yeah. make him go through all those things. Do yeah, what you but, have to- also, I saw the episode that was today, actually not yesterday, but, but uh, <laughs> I watched that this morning. Then, I, yeah, yeah, you watched uh, it this morning. It was Jay Will, Jay Will, and Kendrick Perkins are actually vaccinated as well. He was just saying that he stands. He he basically, you know, he he gets Kyrie for standing up for himself. Yeah, exactly. So also on the episode, you know, he interviewed Mav Carter, and Mav Carter 
also talked about, you know, Kyrie Irving's situation. And he said something that I actually told you um, yesterday, the reason why I got vaccinated. Go out there and educate yourself. The problem is, is like, if you, this is the deal. He hasn't made any, this is the thing that's frustrating everyone, I think. He hasn't made any actual strides to go educate himself to even get the vaccination, right? Because it hasn't happened yet, but you're going to see more teams like Miami. You're going to see Orlando. I'm talking about the hot spot states, okay? You're going to see those states. They're probably going to now, Greg Abbott, he's just trying to, Greg Abbott is, is trying to go along with, in my opinion, with the people. And I think that's going to hurt him in the long run because you can't do everything the people ask you to do. Because if the presidency decides to mandate it, then it's going to be mandated. And people are going to be like I told you, either be in caves or go live on farms and just not go out into the public. That kind of thing will happen. But you're going to... The thing about it is, is that people don't realize this, and, and it's not a big deal because no one talks about it. Most of the NFL are vaccinated. Almost all of them are vaccinated, right? And see, the thing about it is because NBA is such an individual, you know, you can see the individual face. You can't necessarily see guys like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and those guys. You can't see them in their helmets, right? they don't get the exposure like if someone like a Kyrie Irving or LeBron James says it, right? Imagine, and then I want to point out another thing. The MLB, most of them are vaccinated. So I'm not saying everybody needs to get vaccinated. I'm saying educate yourself and then make an educated decision on why you should or you shouldn't be vaccinated, which is what my wife and I did even after my mom and dad being in the medical field themselves actually taking the shot had the shot since january of this year okay i still didn't get it my point is that i went out and got educated and that's what lebron said he did and he and his wife did and they got their whole family vaccinated or whatever so but i also sent i also see them saying i don't want to be a public martyr as well i don't want you know, there to be, hey, I got vaccinated for this reason. People just need to go out there, get educated. When I did it, I wasn't worried about what Michael was thinking about me. I wasn't worried about what this person was thinking about me. I was worried about my own health, which is what Kyrie is doing. But get educated. That's all I'm saying. He's not even going out there and making the strides to get educated before he doesn't get the vaccine. It's kind of just like, like you say, he's being stubborn. He's going... I'm not going to get it. I'm just not going to get it. But why aren't you going to get it, Kyrie? Because people are forcing me to. Okay, great. Everyone's forcing you to. Now you take a step back, educate yourself, and then make the decision. And then if he makes if he educates himself and he goes, okay, I still don't want to get it, then you can be like, all right, cool, Kyrie. We're going to have to probably trade you. Yeah, well, they, they already said they're not going to offer him an extension. So his days in Brooklyn are numbered anyway. Yeah, but I just I just think that for his own sake, because this is kind of like the domino effect of what's going on with Kyrie. Like something always happens. Every single year, something always happens. 
you know, he was even, I, I think he's also an emotional guy. He, he lives, you know, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. You know, think about, you just touched upon it when he was in Cleveland. You know, it wasn't about him standing in his own lane. Uh, LeBron wanted to give the guy the keys to the car. You know what I mean? But he decided, you know what? I know you're leaving because that's what really happened. I guarantee you if I was a fly on the wall, that's what happened. Braun went to Kyrie because they were close at one point and said, hey, after this year, man, I'm not going to be in Cleveland anymore. I'm going to either Philadelphia, New York, or L.A. So, and he talked about that on, you know, more than an athlete. You know, he almost signed with the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think met with him or something like that. Like, but he, he, I think he told Kyrie, hey, I'm out. And Kyrie was like, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, dictate my future. Let you dictate what's going to happen to me. I'm going to go ask for a trade. Because if he would have just stayed there, guess what? Cleveland is his team the next year. <laughs> but he just wanted to be out because he knew in his head that he didn't want to be in Cleveland either. So he just went ahead and got out before he did, which he has said Brooklyn has always been the plan. I've always wanted to come to the New York, Brooklyn area. So, yeah, but that Boston move wasn't necessary because no, even Braun, even Braun, at that point, stayed for an, another two seasons. So no, it's he like for, he stayed for one, one, one season. So either way, you know, you still had a season that you could have worked together and then left at the same time, right? Yeah, but, but that's why I was telling you, he he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He he's like that stubborn kid, like oh well, since you, I know you're leaving, I'm out. I'm about to leave before you. You know, it's kind of like a power thing. Um, which leads me to my next topic. University of Georgia is out there killing it in not only college football, but the SEC. Is Georgia the new powerhouse in the SEC over Alabama? No. Ooh. No. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to give you the – maybe right here, right now for the next season or two. We, will, we may see Georgia because Alabama has ran through years of recruiting, right? Yeah. If they've already ran through these guys are in the NFL or whatever it may be, right? And they had a great run. Well, law of averages tells you your run is going to end at some point, right? Right. So all this is is just a small time in between before they get their another powerhouse group of recruitment, right? Mm-hmm. So who's been able to – go to Georgia and sign on, right, as because maybe Alabama had their positions already filled over the last couple seasons, right? Then you have – they got to go somewhere, these, these, these high, highly ranked kids. Georgia is now having that development happen. They're showing out. Yeah. Alabama is just starting all over again. Right. right. So it's just the cycle. That's all it is. But Alabama's cycle tends to go – for multiple years of success and only a couple years of a drought. Multiple years of success, a couple years of a drought. So I'm glad to see that there's a different team that's that's up and coming. You know, Clemson could have given the, the shot, but it's just bad timing because Trevor Lawrence was there at the same time that Alabama had a great team, right? Yeah. So, you know, if this if this were, you know, if this were Trevor Lawrence that we saw two years ago. Now, then we could see Clemson and Georgia really battling it out. But Georgia, 
their defense is something to reckon with. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually, the way that I've seen this this season develop so far, I'm not going to be surprised if they actually get their national championship this year. But see, it was on the poise because they just made it there. What was it? Not last season, the season before? Or was it last season? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago when yeah. they played, played Alabama in the national yeah. championship. A few years yeah, ago. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So it, they were poised for this to happen, right? That was the preview. So... Yeah, the I think, defense is what lacked in that in that game, and look what they have now. Yeah, and I, I agree with you um, with the whole recruiting and things like that. And, and people, if you don't know about college football and you're not watching it, that is absolutely correct. What happens to Alabama? Alabama um, gets very good. They they're good. They're, they're almost. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna compare them to the Yankees, how the Yankees used to be, right? When we, we knew the Yankees, they win championships, then they have to rebuild a little bit, win some more championships, you know, hence Derek Jeter won five, right? Same thing with the Lakers back then. You know, the Lakers, same thing in the 80s, you know, winning championship, battling out with Boston, Boston and, and the Lakers, actually. You know, everybody, a couple of years off, then they get better. You know, and, and I think the recruiting is something else. You you are you're absolutely right. I think that what happens is Alabama, everybody that's really good goes, okay, I'm gonna go to Alabama. But they also know that there's probably somebody good in front of them. Then you have the rest of those guys are going, okay, well, screw it. I'm gonna go to Georgia, then I'm gonna go to the Clemson. The problem is Clemson this year. They're, they are definitely in that rebuilding stage because, like you said about Alabama, Clemson was good for at least five, six years straight, right? They had they had um, Trevor Lawrence recently. Yeah. And then they, they had... Travis Etienne. They had Watson. They had Watson before that. So they were actually good. And they were supposed to be really good this year. But I think the defense is not as good as everyone thought they would be now with Alabama. Hey, the sun shines on the dog's ass every once in a while in the day. I don't think the Alabama of the A&M game. I think that was a one-off. Um, I, I feel like they made a lot of mistakes in that game and you can't make that many mistakes with a team as good as A&M because A&M didn't make that many mistakes, but like you said, this is a very young Alabama team. They had a lot of people that went to the NFL. They went pro. And you're right. It's that, that one-off year. But I will say this. Alabama still can probably run the table this year. You know? Right. We're talking about an off year, and they just lost the number one spot. Right. <laughs> what are we talking about here? But I, two things that I want to point out here real quick. This goes to show – the up-and-coming talent, and how widespread it is in football right now, right? Yes. Because if you have so many people in the depth of a roster that says, as good as you are, I'm going to go over to this college, right? Mm-hmm. And this, and they ran that for years, right? There's a lot of people that are placed in different colleges right now that we're going to have a lot of talent coming out. So I'm very excited for the future if, of what the NFL is going to look like when it comes down to this, right? in the next maybe three, four years that we see the, these people mm-hmm. start to develop. Mm-hmm. The second thing is this. 
we're talking about professional college. I don't care what sport. I don't care what era. When you're sitting here talking about the cycle of how everything works, this, this shows that Bill Russell's run in the NBA of championships right. is very impressive. Yeah, dude. Right? And even, even put my fandom aside, even LeBron's run at final appearances is very impressive. That's that's unbelievable because, because the fact- you're talking about in, in, like individuals that are recognized within those two different eras, right? In professional sports. Yeah. Right. Alabama was a whole team. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're out there. They fall into the cycle. I mean, they didn't win the championship every year, but they've been a powerhouse every, damn near every year. Well, I mean, what about the Patriots? They've been the powerhouse. And the Patriots, too. Yeah, the Patriots been, over the past 20-something years. 20 years, yes. 20 years, yeah. <laughs> Three. Patriots have been a crazy powerhouse. The thing, the thing, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a point to the Patriots, though. The Patriots are feeling that break-in cycle right now because yep. they don't have Tom Brady. Absolutely. Right? So, can the Patriots prove their cycle as far as being a consistent franchise and pick back up is Mac Jones, the the right person, or how are they going to have to develop whatever it is that they're going to need to do? Because Tom Brady being gone, this is what breaks the cycle. And how do you come back from Tom Brady? Well, Matt Jones, I don't know if you watched that game, Matt Jones show, he went toe to toe with Tom Brady in that game. I mean, some people said actually outperformed him or held his own. Now, last week, Matt Jones proved that he is the quarterback of the future for the Patriots. I mean, he brought them back. They won 25 to 22. They were down by at least 20 points. This is one thing I will say. You are absolutely correct in the cycle. And and he comes from the Nick Saban tree, from, from what I know. So he comes from that tree as well. So this is the thing. They know how to build teams and rebuild teams. It's just crazy that that Bill knows how to do it on the NFL level. Nick knows how to do it on the collegiate level, right? So this one thing I will say about Bill Belichick, his defense is not where he wants it next year, uh, this year. Watch out for them next year because you said the cycle. The cycle is breaking a little bit. He spent a lot of money on defense this year. Next year, he's going to spend a little bit more money on defense, and he's going to spend some more money on quality receivers. So watch out, and possibly offensive line. So watch out for the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to be back because as long as they have Bill Belichick, who I think is a mastermind, the reason why I say he is is because he shut down Sean McVay in a Super Bowl against the Rams. Shut him down. At that time, the Rams were the highest scoring team in the NFL. They won the Super Bowl. The Patriots did, I think, 13 to 10, something like that. (laughs) You give Bill Belichick the credit for that? Yes, absolutely. It was a defensive game. Well, you who, who, See, who, here's the thing. For who me. are you giving the uh, Who are you giving the credit to? It was a defensive game. Exactly. I'm giving that to the defense itself for playing their ass off. But who coaches had, the defense? Wouldn't it be the defensive coordinator? Uh, okay. Uh, let me teach you something about football, my man. When it comes to that type of situation, you can have a person 
in name or a person in position. Bill Belichick is calling those call it making the final judgment on those calls, just like Mike McCarty is making the final call on what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys, right? Matt LaFleur is at Green Bay. He has an offensive coordinator. You don't think he calling the plays? Hey, I don't know what goes on in them headsets. Hey, all I know is that that you are crazy if you don't think Bill Belichick was a part of that Super Bowl and calling. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm not saying he wasn't a part of the Super Bowl. The coach needs you, of course. But the players still have to play their ass off. Yeah, but who gets them in the position to play their ass off? No, I I get that. I get that. I get that. But even then, I in that in that case, the question that would be asked when we're talking about that era mm-hmm. was it Belichick or Brady? You side on the Belichick side that it was that was Belichick that gets the credit for this whole run. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. We're talking about one game, one game. I didn't say. I didn't say multiple games. I said against. I'm just saying. I'm just saying for the era itself. When when the question comes down, oh, to no, it, I think it was both. Uh, me personally, when somebody asks me a question, I say it's both. I think is Bill Belichick. That's the cop out. That's the cop out. No, it's not a cop out. Because I give credit to someone, Brady. I'll tell you right now. If someone asks me right now, if someone asks me right now, why am I? A, uh, a good trader. That's what I do, right? A good trader. Or why am I a good husband? Part of that is because of my wife. My wife is the one who motivates me and pushes me to do well in trading so I can be financially free. And, and, and number two, as a husband, she inspires me to do well. We go hand in hand. I believe that's how Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were. Everyone... You 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 choose a society where everyone wants to choose a side. You don't have to choose a side. You can say, hey, Belichick, everybody likes to put somebody up against one another. Belichick and Tom Brady were like man and wife. They go hand in hand. They did something special for 20 years. Let's leave it like it is. Same thing with the NBA. LeBron James, comparing LeBron James to, to Michael and Kobe. And, why can't we just look at this in a larger picture and say, this because is beautiful what I'm saying, but anything doesn't, doesn't allow for that. Normally. People like drama. And, and that's, that's really sad. That's, but that's I, the, sad. When, when I can, when I can take a side on that, my easy shutdown for it is look what happened under a different coach. Tom Brady still won a Super Bowl, And not just that, but Bill Belichick, if it, if he, if, if. Okay. If hold were, on. Time out. Let me pose, let me pose a hypothetical for you guys. So it's easy to say, Oh, he won a super bowl. Right. First of all, we just talked about it. He had no team last year. He didn't have a team to win the super bowl, get an opportunity to Ooh, win. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. Absolutely. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this coming from the same person who believed in Cam Newton? What are you talking about? I'm I'm talking I'm not talking about quarterbacks. I'm talking about he didn't have a team. Tom Brady left because he didn't have he spent millions on the defense. What are you talking about? This year. This year, not last year. They had they had they had they had a team. What are you talking about? No, they did not. What what league were you watching last year? You obviously was not watching football last year to, to say that the Patriots had what the team was so damn bad. Julian Elliman retired. 
he got hurt and retired, okay, because he didn't want to come back. That's how bad the team was last year. I didn't say yes. I thought Cam Newton, I can admit when I'm wrong, I thought Cam Newton was going to be the guy that takes him back over the threshold, but he didn't have any damn weapons. That's why they went out and got weapons this year. This year is way different than last year, my man. What weapons did they get? They went and got Hunter Henry, who's always hurt. He scored last week, but that's just excited. You're telling telling me, hold on one second. You're saying that Hunter Henry, when he's not hurt, it's like saying Kyrie Irving is when he's not hurt. No, no, don't put Hunter Henry in the same. No, no. No, no, uh uh. Hunter Hunter Henry Hunter Henry is a performer when he is not injured. You can say the same thing about J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is always damn hurt. And nobody hey, bro, you cannot that. put those names together yes, in the same can. conversation. What, no, J.J. Watt is an all-defensive defensive player of the year. Hunter Henry is a productive always tight been end. A backup tight end. No, he's been a productive tight end. And that's all the Patriots. Backup. And he's been an injured backup. It doesn't, to Antonio it doesn't matter. He's been productive. Which is the reason why the Patriots went and got him. It doesn't matter. Hunter Henry is not the only thing they have. They have Mr. Smith back there as well as a tight end who's going to be one of the best tight ends. He's going to be better than Grunk. I'm saying it right now. No. (laughs) Hey. Just keep going, keep going. Oh, I feel like I'm Stephen A. Smith right now. No, Woo. you can feel like you Stephen A. Smith, but you are the same person who said the Suns weren't going to get to the NBA Finals, and they did. So you can based like on Stephen based Smith. on the perfect storm. No, based it's not based on the perfect storm. Yeah, if they, no. if injuries don't plague those teams that are that are that they're facing, excuses, they're losing. Excuses, excuses. No. That's no, all. That's all you give. It's not a perfect storm. You can say it was a perfect storm that Tom Brady won the damn Super Bowl last year because he threw three damn picks against the Green Bay Packers. You talking about a perfect storm? Nah, like the, the Packers gave here. that game up. The no, Packers gave exactly. that game up. So you can't literally yeah. sit here and tell me that Tom Brady should have got, uh, won, got to the Super Bowl last Two year. Two different scenarios. You, no, you're, you're talking about injuries compared perfect. to somebody no, who gave you're up. You're saying a perfect storm. No, I'm telling the you. Packers no, the Packers gave up. No. Packers gave up. It was a perfect storm that happened last year because and the and the refs the refs missed like three or four different calls. Exactly. So now you're making my point that I stated earlier. It goes hand in hand. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady goes together. Now, if Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl again this year, if he wins it again this year, then you can start saying, okay, maybe Tom Brady was back. But I'm going to tell you, Bill Belichick will be back. Now, we're going to leave it right there. Hey, so the next question is, can Jalen Hurts upset the Buccaneers tonight? Jalen Hurts and the Eagles upset the Buccaneers tonight. Nope. And why not? It's Tom Brady, man. And and it injured Tom Brady. It's not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna say the defense, which coming into the NFL season, my belief as far as Tampa Bay's defense was that they were gonna carry the team and Tom Brady just needed to be Tom Brady, right? Mm -hmm. So it may have taken some pressure off of him that all the defensive players were were returning. But the defense is not showing up this year. They're still 
playing as well as they are offensively, even without Gronk, and Tom Brady is playing at an all-time high right now. He's on pace to break Peyton Manning's touchdown record for the season. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're seeing Tom Brady as if it's LeBron James in the NBA. We're seeing somebody in their 20-plus years. LeBron's going into, what, year 18, 19? Yeah. And, yep. and they're still performing as if they're in their prime. It's crazy to see this. So until sleep. Until, until the Eagles are up 10 with three seconds left, it's Tom Brady all day for me tonight. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you. I don't feel like – now, I know Jalen Hurts is on the road, and I know he's playing well, but I just don't feel like they're going to upset the Buccaneers. I actually chose the Buccaneers to win this game. I also feel this. You you touch on a very good point. They're the same defense that, that happened last year. So my next question is, do you think the Buccaneers defense are having a championship championship hangover? Uh, possibly. Possibly. But this is where your experience comes into play. Because then again, who gets to save you? Who's your safety net? Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Right? We're back to where it all revolves around Tom Brady, right? Because as he understands, look, he had his celebration. We saw him drunk, right, on TV. We saw him drunk. But he understands what this business is, right? He's been there multiple times. right? So it was partying now, but it's back to work the next day. right? So he's able to be in that consistent motion to be able to say, well, the defense really, really performed well. But if for any reason they don't, I've got to pick it up. And he's there. Right. He's there. They're one of they're one of the worst pass ranked defenses. Yeah, they're they're very low. And yeah. I'm gonna tell you guys, this is the same defense that everybody was talking about. That's why I say it was a perfect storm because they had three pass interference calls in that Green Bay game. And on top of that, there was some missed calls by the referee. So I think in that particular game, they got away with not being that great. They got away with looking like they look right now. But I will say in the Super Bowl, that was totally different. They dominated in the Super Bowl. So I will say this. And and then you can say, okay, was it a perfect storm then? Because two or three offensive linemen for the Kansas City Chiefs got hurt. I would love to see that rematch, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see the rematch because I just don't feel like the Chiefs are going to get there. I don't want to count out Patrick Mahomes because Buffalo is too damn good. So my next question to you, my man, is do you feel like the the Buffalo Bills will run the table in the AFC? Um, it's, it's hard to go against them right now. It really is. Right. It really is. Because, I mean, they have Josh Allen, who, as a as a, someone who lives in Arizona, I was praying. I was praying that the Cardinals would draft Josh Allen instead Ooh. of trading down. Yeah. And they traded down and drafted Josh Rosen. I immediately said, you drafted the wrong Josh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And this is why this is why I say I can't get with, which I have, I have a topic I wanted to talk about real quick it's in okay. a minute here. But this goes along the lines of how Arizona sports teams are ran. Perfect example. 
right? It's just it it was a dumb move. Right. And right. Josh Allen had it written all over that he had the experience, he had the tools, and still went with the UCLA product. It was crazy. But I am a huge believer in Josh Allen. I love the kid. I think he's gonna be great. I think he is great now. Um, and I would love to see the Bills do something. I mean, of any storied franchise, they haven't been back to the Super Bowl since they lost four in a row. You lose four in a row? Yeah. Which we look at that as, yo, you went back to back to back to back. That's an accomplishment of itself, right? Oh, I, I think they lost five. They deserve – no, it was four. It was four? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, the one after that, I think, was the Steelers here in Phoenix. When they, or mm. when they when the Cowboys played. Okay. Um, but they deserve it. <laughs> the, the people of Buffalo, they deserve it, you know. And I think that it would be really cool to kind of see that happen. But they have a defense. They have a very, very consistent offense. And they have a great guy behind center. So I would yeah. like to see it. Well, I honestly, I agree with that. Um, I don't see any dark horses except the Chargers coming out of the AFC. Uh, I'm talking about dark horse. And when I mean that, yeah, they're playing well and you don't think they're going to do well. But I mean, I think we got to wait and see because last year at this time, the Seahawks were also five and oh, right. So that's why I'm waiting on what the Cardinals are going to do because the Seahawks were five and oh, before they lost their first game last year, you know? So I want to see if the Cardinals actually go six, no, which I think they will this week. I think they will. Some people say, they might be four, they should be four and one because of last week. But I want to see, but the the Josh Allen situation happened because he made a comment when he was, I don't know, 13, 14, 15. He made some type of racist comment or something. So a lot of people didn't want to touch touch that situation, which was, in my opinion, we got to sometimes forgive and forget because like he said, I was young. I was hanging out with the wrong people. I was, I said something stupid. Now you're right. If Arizona takes him, man, man, oh man. Even though they have a good one in Kyler Murray, I think, I think people, I think where he ended up is where he's supposed to be. That makes sense. I think fate put him where he's supposed to be. Because if you look around the league, it was a perfect storm for Kyler Murray. You know, you got Cliff as your head coach, and he liked you while he was at Texas Tech. So it was kind of like a perfect storm for him. Because if you look back a couple of years, if Kyler Murray goes pro, he doesn't go number one. Not, Not at all. So it was a perfect storm for him. I think... I think ultimately they ended up where they all were supposed to. Josh Rosen, he was good at UCLA, but we all knew that he wasn't going to be a good quarterback. I mean. Right. I thought he was terrible. I thought he was terrible. Well, the reason why is because of the way the NBA is today. I mean, NFL is today, right? The the way it's played, he definitely was just a drawback quarterback. And athletes in college – they're not all running four threes and four fours on defense. So he was able to stand back there and look great. But when you get in the league, you better have some type of mobility. What was what was the question you wanted to ask? 
So I saw I saw this article yesterday, and it was in regards to the Phoenix Suns, and it was talking about DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. and how he was disappointed that the Suns didn't extend him with a max deal, right? So we now, basketball right now. Well, it, it goes along these the, along the lines of what we're talking about here because yes, Cliff Kingsbury would. I mean, it's it's good that he ended up with Kyler Murray, right? But if you draft Josh Allen in that draft, who did you who would you have been able to have on your team after that, right? Who came in the drafts after that? Mm. That's mm. what I tend to look at. And when the Cardinals have made multiple draft errors. There were players that passed on like J.J. Watt, right? right? J.J. Watt went way late in the draft, and they took somebody who's not even on the team anymore, right? Right. And that's consistent. So my, my thing is this. When you have these type of decisions being made, we're talking about in this turn now with Arizona, specifically now with the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton, who is young and talented, right? No, former number one pick. Right. By signing CP3 for this deal, it's it's not that the Suns don't want to give him the max. They can't. They can't afford it. So, is it do you, do you feel that the Suns chose right now over the future and DeAndre Ayton could walk? Or do you think he, he's nice enough to give them this chance and then actually get an extension when CP3 ends up leaving? I think this is this is what I think about uh, DeAndre Ayton. I think the jury is still out on him. Um, and James Jones is doing a magnificent job in Phoenix, like probably the best GM in the league, in my opinion, right now. Um, I feel like this is a future move, like you just said. I feel like they're they they're looking at how their team is going to be formed, right? They're looking at the formation of their team. Chris Paul did just take a big chunk of their cap. He got he got a nice contract. I believe Chris Paul is going to perform because he performs wherever the hell he goes. I mean, he went to Oklahoma City and made them a playoff team, you know. So, you know, um Chris Paul just does well wherever he wherever he goes. This is what I think is gonna happen. I don't think they offering him the extension. I think it's the Alonzo Ball situation. I feel like they want to see how well he plays this year and see if he's going to play well this year, then make the decision on whether or not he's going to walk or go somewhere else. I do think he fits in with this team, but I can see where he may not fit in with this team. Does that make sense? It does. And I see for, for from that perspective, then it, if I have to go along those lines, I have a problem with their scouting because – if that's where they're sitting at, DeAndre Ayton has shown progression. He's only 23 years old. Absolutely. You have a chance to lock him up right now, right? When money is kind of like the Kevin Love situation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kevin Love got a deal that he wasn't necessarily – or even Tristan Thompson. He got, they got deals in Cleveland that they weren't necessarily worth for how they performed. But by the time it came for all these other massive contracts to be given – the people when, when they hey, let's just be honest about the 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 Tristan Thompson deal that was a rich Paul LeBron James deal let's let's just leave that regardless regardless <laughs> regardless 
he played, he was an intricate part of that team. Yeah. And for what he yeah. could have got, they signed him for what seemed like a deal that you'd be like, what the hell? But it was worth it right. come two, three years later. Right. right. This is right. what I'm talking about. You have the chance to do that with DeAndre Ayton right now when he's shown progression. I, so I, you're, you're in saying. my eyes, they chose right now over the future. They're going to be lucky if DeAndre Ayton decides to stay. So you're saying give them a deal kind of sort of like what the Tristan Thompson deal was like maybe 85 million for four years. Right. So give him that deal. And then if he doesn't play as well as what they're thinking, it in lines with his, with what they were thinking anyways, with his contract. Right. Well, not just that it's, it kind of brings you back to the same, the, the, the same starting point as if, you don't go with Chris Paul. If you let Chris Paul walk, right, and you decide to give that money to DeAndre Ayton, you've got to find yourself a point guard still, which is the consistent right, problem that right. they've had here in Phoenix, right? Right, right. But I would rather find a point guard because they come by the dime a dozen yeah. than to find a very consistent center. Well, no. So right. the reason why I say – Centers are hard to find. I would disagree on that because of the way that – now this the way the NBA is being played right now. You so I'm people don't want to point this out, but I'm going to point this out. The Lakers are the team that brought back the big man. To be honest with you, and they did that in the bubble. Even though Phoenix did draft DeAndre Aiden, he wasn't developed at that time. Okay, he right. you know they didn't have Monty Williams. So I'm just gonna say that when Anthony Davis came over to the Lakers, and then they brought in um, Dwight Howard, for example, right? I'm going to say that the Lakers brought in the big man because that is something LeBron likes to have. LeBron likes to have those type of players in his system. Now, think of the players that were on the, the roster. They've had Anthony Davis. They've had Andre Drummond, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, yeah. uh, Mark Gasol. Yeah. Right? So yeah, because that's the way that's the way LeBron likes to play. Now I will say this: Golden State people don't realize this went the James Wiseman route because guess what happened? You have an emerging De DeAndre Aiden, and then look at what the Lakers did. So if you look at what Sacramento is also doing, people don't pay attention to Sacramento. I look at every NBA game just so people know the Sacramento Kings. They went out and got the best offensive rebounder in the game. And we just talked about him. Tristan Thompson is the best offensive rebounder in the game, hands down. I'm shocked that he didn't go to L.A. But, hey, I don't know what's going on there in that situation. But I will say this. The way the NBA is going, Phoenix got what they needed, a point guard. Not even though point guards come a dime a dozen. Let me let me let me point out a great example. Would you want the Cameron Payne before Chris Paul was there, or would you like the Cameron Payne that he is now? And right, no, no, no. And Cameron I get that. Payne, Cameron, I, Payne, I get that. Cameron Payne, can he lead the Phoenix Suns to where they went last year? Hell no. Not, no, no. No. And he even he even got rich this year because of Chris Paul and the influence Chris Paul has. So in my personal opinion, I feel like DeAndre Aiden, I think they're doing the right thing with this DeAndre Aiden situation because 
DeAndre Aiden has to perform. Now, look, this is the deal. I don't think he's going to have a outlandish super season. Like, like I don't think it's going to be like that just based off of having Chris Paul, having D book, having, they're basically an outside. They're basically a fast break outside, shoot the three team. Then we get inside the DeAndre. And that's the reason why I feel like James was like, okay, let, let's see what happens this year. I think he gets a deal similar to what Lonzo Ball did. I think he gets that type of deal, my man, I, and which will keep him. DeAndre up. Ayton? DeAndre Ayton will get the. Now, that's disrespectful. DeAndre Ayton deserves something better than what Lonzo Ball is getting. Mm. Well, DeAndre no. Ayton was an intricate part, a consistent, intricate part of last season. No, but regardless of how they got base, to the no, finals. No, but you base it on five years of work versus one year of work. Okay. Right. But that one year of work shows where his progressions got from the previous four. Yeah, but this is the deal. You can say the same thing about Lonzo Ball, too, my man. Yeah, like you can make that argument with Lonzo Ball. He got better last year. He got he got way better last year. And he still got 85 million for four years. I think. DeAndre might get a little bit more, but the question is, the thing about it is, it's like depending on what their offense is doing and how they're playing, I think is is a perfect storm for what they're trying to do. You will see when the look. Who says a deal won't get worked out in the middle of the year? Because they still technically can sign him to an extension before the end of the year they can they get could. it done. and if and if this gets if if this gets to the powers that be oh my gosh if if robert sarver can hear us hear us having this conversation robert <laughs> sarver please give this man his money and lock him in please i agree with that i agree with that because chris paul probably has four years left and then you want to build your team around somebody and maybe it's a two-year deal I think he has four years. I know his deal is two years. I said I think he has four years left. So I mean, this is but real quick. This is my my point to to where you're you're at a situation regardless because if you give if you if you start this season where you let Chris Paul walk and you give the money to DeAndre Ayton, right? You're looking for that point guard still, right? If DeAndre Ayton walks, you're then looking for a center at that point. Yeah, but do you need a center with this team? Yes. I mean, I mean, that can, that's open for debate and we can touch on that and maybe the next episode we'll touch more on that. But so my next question is my man, moving forward, can the Cleveland Browns win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield? Uh, yeah, they could. Ooh. Okay. They could. Um, and even just to touch on this real quick, because you 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 said that you feel that the, the Cardinals are going to go into Cleveland and win. I think that the Cardinals are going to go in there and lose. Uh, all right, Kyler Murray is actually going to be in limited form that game. How limited? We don't know, but he's limited. So that when when you're talking about an so away, let me let me get this right. Say that again. You think what? That the Cleveland Browns are going to beat the Cardinals this weekend? <laughs> yeah, you wanted to use that shit, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Wait a minute. Okay, so state your facts. I, I can't wait to come back on this. Cleveland plays well at home. Baker Mayfield at home, it, it's something to be feared. If you ask me, I like Baker at home. Nick Chubb running the ball. Kareem Hunt running the ball. Kareem Hunt is killing the is killing his, his position right now. He's a backup getting one and two touchdowns a game. Mm-hmm. Right? Nick Chubb is the workhorse. Kareem Hunt's picking all the touchdowns up, right? They have Odell Beckham back. So I'm not going to say it's going to be based on offense or based on defense, right? Because Denzel Ward is out. And there's also somebody else who's out for uh, uh, for Cleveland um, back in that secondary. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a beat-up Cardinals offense. And the reason why I say beat-up is because Kyler Murray is going to be in limited form. You're already at a disadvantage there, but it's going to be their offense going against the Cardinals offense. Both, both defenses are giving up points. So My brother, my brother. First of all, the Cardinals have a better defense than the Browns. On paper? No, 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 than the Browns' offense. And the reason why I say that is because, one, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but Baker Mayfield doesn't like throwing the ball to Odell Beckham. And when he tries to get the ball to Odell Beckham, he throws a lot of interceptions. So it's almost like he puts pressure on himself or whatever the situation may be. They talked about that on first take today, and we're going to get into the the next topic here in a little bit, but just sticking with that topic, I feel like the under, I feel like the Cardinals offense now are better because not the defensive line of the Cleveland Browns. I feel like the Andre Hopkins more and all those guys are going to have a field day against an injured secondary for the Cleveland Browns. Now, Kyler Murray is going to be running around crazy every day, but if Cliff Kingsbury is the offensive coordinator everyone thinks he is, look, I'm looking at draw plays. I'm looking at outside plays like uh, runs, outside receiver screens, things like that to be able to neutralize this defensive line because their front seven is good. It's solid. But they have some injuries. Both front sevens are good. Both secondaries are suspect. Yeah, both secondaries are suspect. But I will take the Cardinals uh, suspect secondary over the Browns. I'm choosing the Cardinals to win, but we'll see what will happen in that situation. Austin Hooper, and it's not about Odell Beckham performing. Odell Beckham on the field is a distraction. Period. Mm. You have to pay attention to him. Right. Right. So it's not him because. We can say it right here, and regardless of how many times we observe it and see it and say it, he doesn't throw to Odell. They're still going to cover him correctly, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and respect his gangster, so to say. They're going to respect his his position on the field. That's going to leave Austin Hooper and David and Joku to get touchdowns. Um, the Cardinals every single year have a problem with guarding the tight end. Those tight ends are going to have good games as long as Baker Mayfield gives them the ball. Not to mention Higgins. Higgins is going to – he could break out and have another good game. And you still have the run game that the Cardinals can't stop a run at all this year. Which baffles me because they have a pretty good defensive line. Exactly. So, <laughs> advantage offense, 
Cleveland, actually, if you ask me, because of home field advantage. Last week, last week was advantage offense, and I think that the right offense won, um, won that game, 17 to, what, 10, I think it was. But my next question is, does Odell Beckham need to be traded from the Cleveland Browns? Um, it's, it's, it's hard because he, be, sorry, because it's, it's a hard, it's a hard question to, to answer because he is Odell Beckham, right? Right. He's going to be the distraction on the field. He can produce. He's just been off injury, often injured right now. Right. But if he goes to another team, is he going to like it? He's got to get out of his own head for one and two. He, I think he needs to move on overall, but it's hard to make that decision if you're Cleveland. You might just let Odell make that decision on his own. Well, I think that, yes, Odell Beckham needs to be traded. And like Stephen A. said, I like where he said, either to the Packers or the Chiefs. I think he needs a new start because Odell Beckham – is not getting the ball. He was open and he's been open a few times. And Baker Mayfield, it's like he intentionally throws, not throw him the ball. So, I mean, <clears throat> we can sit here and we can sit here and, and say that that's what's going on. I don't know if that's what's going on. I will say this, that he does need to get out of Cleveland. I think Cleveland would be better off without him because like you just pointed out, they have, a lot of good receivers anyways. And Jarvis Landry, when he's not injured, it seemed like that's kind of like Baker's favorite target, so to speak. He, he has over 100 catches per season. He has yeah. since Miami. Yeah, so, you know, I don't feel like Odell needs to be there anymore. I think I think they if they don't trade him this year, I like you said, I think Odell Beckham makes a decision on where he wants to go. And that's going to be very interesting because I feel like Odell Beckham can automatically make any team he goes to a better team. Like Agreed. A million percent, I agree with that. But the question is now, does Odell, if he walks or if – I mean, if he gets traded, they have to fulfill the contract, whatever it is, right? But if he walks, does he get, does he get a deal that's – what he feels is, is valuable. Do you think, think his stock is plummeted? I think Odell Beckham gets any deal he wants because his Nike contract is paying him uh, substantially anyways. I mean, 95 million for five years. I mean, I think he will be all right, no matter where he goes. <laughs> the other question I have is this, how in the hell is it that the chiefs are now ultimately a team that all these former stars have to go through? Look, we're looking at Josh Gordon who just signed with the chiefs. Le'Veon Bell was with them last year. Now he's with Baltimore. But we're seeing all these falling from falling from grace type stars that are now having to go. I think, I think the reason why – well, I'm going to answer your question, and it goes back to what we talked about yesterday in another episode. People don't know this about Andy Reid. Andy Reid actually has a program to help those type of stars. So that's the reason why he brought Michael Vick in as well. He is the type of coach that does that. He's the one who wants to try to restore some glory back to these guys and bring them in and help them. So 
even though they didn't use Le'Veon Bell the correct way last year, I kind of feel like ever since Le'Veon Bell decided not to play for Pittsburgh, he has not been the same Le'Veon Bell. I didn't even know he was in the league, honestly, until you just said it. Because well, they, he had just got signed to Baltimore's practice squad when they had two people go down with ACL tears for the season. Oh, okay. Because I know I'll tell you, Mary is the one who's getting most of the carries yeah. over there in Baltimore. But I, I would just Did you see who else is back there, too? Who? Devontae Freeman. Oh, now they have Devontae Freeman. So yeah, yeah. So they're gonna have they they have a solid line and, and see for them to get Devontae Freeman, that means that Le'Veon Bell, like I just said, I mean he's not the same Le'Veon Bell. Maybe Pittsburgh knew exactly what they they were doing, but I want to say the fall from grace thing. I don't think it's a necessarily fall from grace thing. What Odell Beckham is completely different. Odell Beckham is still the man. He just been injured. Okay, so I don't feel like there's a fall from grace. He hasn't been exposed for drugs or, you know. I'm not talking. I'm talking fall like from grace statistically. He was. Uh, yeah, but but that receivers in the league. How does Odell Beckham make his money and make his catches? He has to have a damn quarterback throwing him the ball. So he hasn't fall from grace. He just got a damn quarterback that don't throw him the ball, which means he needs to get out of Cleveland. I see you laughing. It's the truth. He doesn't throw him the damn ball. He's open. All Let's, let's say this, because we're going to talk about this on our episode Monday when we come back. Watch how many times Odell Beckham is open. Watch how many times Baker Mayfield does not throw him the football. <laughs> so, so my point is that, yes, he probably does need to get traded. Moving on. Next question. More exposure for the Gruden situation. D. Smith posed a question. He wanted to know, is the NFL making decisions on their hiring based on race? What is your... So I'm going to go ahead and start first on this one. I feel like absolutely... Absolutely. Yes, they are making their decisions based on race. But look, this is the deal. When you're in the good old boys club, which is what I think the NFL is, they're not transcendent. They're not the ones that are, in my opinion, progressing forward. You know, the that's why everybody's navigating, I think, to the NBA right now. There is even, even people navigating the, to, to the NHL, surprisingly. Like, I'm here in Vegas it is a diverse crowd every time I go. I've never seen that. I, I grew up in Dallas, Dallas Stars, mainly white in the in the in the stands. Here, because they have some black players and things like that, it's more diverse. And you seeing more NHL teams go that route. Okay, you you seeing that in the NFL? It's the good old boys club, and what's gonna happen? Now they're wanting more exposure because now they're seeing if Gruden is having these type of conversations with this guy, how many other conversations have been going on in the NFL? So D Smith, I think posed a very good question and I think they're going to find out real soon. Now this, this is the thing. It's a little bit different how the NBA is structured over the NFL. The commissioner essentially works for the NFL owners from what i understand so my thing is this 
I think that the NFL, the we all know that the NBA. I I I have to check on that. Don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. I don't know that. But what I'm saying is, is that we know that there's a lot more money in the NFL because the owners keep a lot more money in the NFL. So what I'm saying is, yeah, they have control. They have the control over what goes on. And I'm wondering, because this is the deal. Let's just say he goes and they, they go through all these emails and they're finding out, you know, people like Jerry Jones, people like, you know, I don't know who watched, uh, wait a minute, uh, John Gruden's brother. Um, Jay Gruden, he was the head coach during all that time. So they're figuring out, let's just say they go through a bunch of emails to a bunch of GMs to a bunch of teams and they find out what's going on in those emails. And it happens to be something racist. This is what I will say, brother. I don't think anything's going to be done about it because I don't think it's going to be a situation where the Clippers, how the Clippers how the how the old owner of the Clippers got had to get rid of his team, that's not going to happen in the NFL. I think that, yeah, they're gonna it's gonna be some, you know, Mark Davis said it yesterday, but no one knows what it means. But he said the NFL has all the answers, right? He they wanted to know, but everybody knows that Mark Davis loves John Gruden like a son. Everybody knows that Mark Davis, you know, love Derek Carr said, you know, I love the man. I just don't like the situation that was in, but people hearts change over time. But my mom once told me a tiger doesn't change his stripes. So I believe that it's going to be more stuff come out, but I don't think anything is going to be done about it. I completely agree. And before I get into my answer, my first question back to you would be forgetting the NHL out of the four major sports. Let's take the, Let's take the top three, baseball, basketball, and football. Mm-hmm. I want you to name all the black owners in each one of those leagues. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, off the top of my head, Michael Jordan. <laughs> so, and the um, list stops there. Yeah, no, because LeBron and, and Mav Carter, they own part of the Boston Red Sox. You mean like complete owner? I'm. I don't necessarily look at that situation yet because they're not. There's a difference between decision making ownership and then having, yeah. and then having just a small piece of the pie. Jay Z owned part of the Nets, but it was point zero zero one percent. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. He couldn't make any decisions for that, right? No. I feel that LeBron and Mav Carter are kind of in that position with Boston. They may have put the money up for it, but your decision makers that are all right, are uh, Mr. Henry, Mr. Henry, yeah, um, no, I, right. yeah, the Bucks stop Michael there. Jordan, yeah, right? the the Michael Jordan is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Exactly, exactly, and I'm, I don't want to get political in the situation, but when you look at that situation and you're like, okay, we have ninety teams, mm-hmm. right, and one. Black owner, one, the majority is going to be stuck in their ways. Why? Because it's the consistent, and I will be the one that judges, you have the consistent situation if you have rich old white men that are in those controlling chairs, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Which are what you're calling as the good old boys, right? The good old boys club. 
And until things change in those offices, put it this way. If things don't change, things don't change, right? Absolutely. So it's an easy phrase to know. I use it, and it's fat, It's funny because um, a colleague, Derek, Derek and I, we talk all the time, and we talk about these things all the time in the charts, right? Right. Talk about the same things in business. If things don't change, then things don't change. Right. If those guys at the top don't change, whether it's their perspective or whether – it's them as an individual, as a replacement, right? With a replacement, the situations don't change at all. Right. So yes, it's been based on race. If you can say things have been based on race since the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early, then it's the same thing today. I guarantee it. Right. A hundred percent. So I don't think that I agree with you. I don't think anything's going to be done about it. Um, mainly because what's his name? Paul Allen. Yeah. From Washington. He's already gone. So, I mean, really, what, what can we do here with, with the Washington the Washington team, the Washington football team? What can we do oh, with no, You mean Dan Snyder. Oh, Dennis Snyder. Right, yeah. Dan Snyder, yeah, yeah. Dan Snyder. Dan Paul Snyder, Allen yeah. owned the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Oh, I'm sorry. I, don't, I got the <laughs> – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, yes, so Snyder, yes, he's gone. So, you, we can't have the same situation that we had in L.A. with the Clippers, right? Yeah. One thing that I will say is this. It is a progressive move for all these teams because it's still fairly new, but we're seeing a lot of minority GMs. Yes. Right? Yes. So I love seeing that happening, but I can't wait until we get those guys into the owner's boxes. I want those guys in the owner's boxes. I would love to see James Jones go and own the team. That would be awesome, man. And that probably will happen, you know. And why? Because I think he's learned so much. Yes. Whether it was from LeBron or also, let's not forget, he was on those Heat teams. He learned from Pat Riley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you're going to tell me that he has the ability, and look, he put the Suns together. He brought Chris Paul here, right? So as you say, he's doing a good job. He's cleaning up a filthy, filthy mess that's out here in Phoenix, and it's going to take a while but he has the tools and the knowledge to get it done. Right. What would happen if he was an owner that could find an individual like himself as the GM? Now you've got a Tom Brady, Bill Belichick player coach. Now you've got an owner GM type relationship going, right? Yeah. Yep. That could be even more dangerous. And that's how you create dynasties. Yeah. I mean, but like you just said, it starts with, this is the problem. And I'm just speaking, you know, from being a black man. I believe that, like, and and I'm gonna say it's like this. This is just from some of my experience, and then some of the people that I've been around. A lot of times, when black people make it because of the situations they're in, they don't think about the next person they gotta grab and pull out. LeBron James has done a magnificent job of that. You know, he he's in business with every single one of his friends, right? He could have left Akron and left everything and been like, I'm LeBron James. This is me. You know, I'm going to do my own thing. But he has shown the model like, hey, grab some people and pull them up. So my question, not to you, but just to my question would be like, is James Jones doing that? Is his net is the person that's teaching that is the person that he's teaching 
because we all have assistant GMs. We all have, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to, uh, interns. We all have interns and things like that. Who are those interns? Are they young black professionals that, that get, are getting the opportunity to learn? Same thing with the coaching ranks, right? It's the same thing. You know, this past year in the NBA, that was incredible. I think it was like, what, six or seven black coaches got jobs? But the problem when that happens is that I hate is that you always get somebody like Rachel Nichols who says, oh, did they do this because they, they're getting pressured to hire minorities, right? Or, or are these guys really good coaches? Those are the questions that people pose because then you get somebody like Rachel Nichols saying, oh, well, they only gave him the positions because the, the pressure they're on the NBA, right? But I feel like it'll be more of those positions if well, black people, if, the if Rachel somebody. Rachel Nichols thing was based on ESPN being pressured, not the NBA being pressured. No, but I'm using it as an example, though. You don't know if that's happening in the same situation, right? Is that happening? That's my question. That's why I say I pose the question. Is that happening in the NBA? Because we see it in the NFL, ain't shit. Excuse my friends. Ain't nothing happening in the NFL when it comes to coachings and rain. Let's use the let's use let's use Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy tree, right? That's where all the black coaches are. If you look at Mike Tomlin, he was in that tree. You have Rashad, who's in uh the defensive coordinator coordinator. For the Rams, he's a part of that tree. It's a you you know you have Lovey Smith, he's a part of that tree, but you don't really now you're seeing all the the Sean McVay tree. They're the ones that's getting hired. You know they all look the same. They're all thirty years old. They're all have that clean Kissberry, that young, clean cut look, right? They all look like that right now in the NFL, and I think. You know, if like Kellen Moore, I think Kellen Moore will be the next head coach in the NFL. Deservingly so, though, because he's doing a hell of a job in Dallas. Hopefully Dallas keeps him like Jerry Jones has been known to do, pay his coordinators and then they take over, you know, as the head coach. So hopefully he can keep Kellen Moore. But I would just say that like I don't think there's enough of us that are when we do have those type of positions, we're not doing enough to go grab the next person out and say, Hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You know, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Like I'll use, you know, trading, for example, I have a good friend. He doesn't have any money. I've been, I've been teaching him for free, teaching him for free. But most of the time you'll get, and I'm not going to name anybody on the, on the, uh, on our podcast, but most of the time you get people, Oh, Hey, it's going to cost this amount of money. If you want to hang out with me and you want to do that, that's not reaching in and grabbing somebody out. And I right. think that if we did that on professional levels, and I'm talking about no matter where they are, I'm talking about in corporate setting in a sports setting, no matter where they are, Instead of trying to be like, oh, I'm not going to help this do that. If we did that a lot more, then what you're talking about, my man, you will see. You would see more minority owners and things that come about. Right. I'm, I'm just waiting for the day when that chance is given. 
Okay, moving on. Deontay Wilder, did you watch the fight, first of all? I know that you're not a boxing fan, but I'm wondering, did you watch the fight? Uh, I, I saw highlights. <clears throat> I saw highlights. I was <laughs> I was locked in the AT&T store that night going through a whole <laughs> hellish situation. So I didn't see I, it. But, but Deontay Wilder loses the trilogy and okay. his second fight in a row. And after the fight, after the fight, our man, our main man, Deontay Wilder said, and, and just real quick, I want to like play what he actually said so everybody can get the glimpse of it. And then I want to, I want to ask you what you think about it, but let me go ahead and, and, and play this. You ready? Yep. Go ahead. Okay, so in that whole thing, just in case you didn't hear it, Deontay Wilder <laughs> loses. Tyson Fury walks over, said, I respect you. And Deontay Wilder says, no, I don't respect you. My question to you, my man, is do you think Deontay Wilder is being a poor sport? Absolutely. 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 Yep, absolutely. Uh, because uh, when when it comes down to it, yes, you're fighting each other, right? But you don't have to hate each other to fight. This is a business. A lot of these guys walk out of that ring and they're cool about it. I think Deontay Wilder is just mad because because he got his ass whipped. Yeah. The uh, first time the 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 first fight was what it was, right? But then you come back in the second one, and the second one you lose and you blame it on oh, well, I walked out with a 40-pound headgear on my head, right? I was I was tired before I even stepped into the ring. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Tyson Fury is still a good boxer, bro. Yes. Right? And not just that, but then this one, you come in and you lose. Like, from the highlights that I saw, bro, you, you lost, bro. You lost. So, at some point, when do you just literally say, all right, cool, like, I – I'm going to give it a go for a fourth time if I want. I couldn't beat you, right? But I'll give it a go. Or your other words are, look, I can't beat you right now. It was your day. We're done, right? You either say you're done or you do it again. But you have to twice in a row. Bro, you got to respect what happened in that ring. He said, nah, I, I ain't got no love for you. I don't respect you. Bro, to me, that's just poor sportsmanship, period. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm going to say this because I do box. I'm not professional by no means. And I learned something very valuable at the Floyd Mayweather Boxing Gym. And, and one of my coaches told me this. There's levels to this. There's level to the boxing game. And Deontay Wilder, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but Tyson Fury has been doing it for a long time. And now we all know the troubles that Tyson Fury had when, you know, dealing with addiction and stuff like that. I'm going to I'm going to tell you this. I believe the first fight was because Tyson Fury was out of shape. He was he was probably high. He was probably not in the right place mentally. We talk about that right all the time. So I'm thinking like there wouldn't even been a damn trilogy if Tyson Fury comes in like he is now in the headspace and the mindset that he is. 
because this you pointed on the exact thing. Tyson Fury can box. Deontay Wilder, I think, needs to go back in the lab and then learn those levels because um, I was when I was in training class, this is what my coach said to me. He said that Floyd, when you watch Floyd battle Logan Paul, you can see the experience versus the inexperience there. And you can also see that Floyd was holding up Logan Paul for much of, much of that fight. When they were leaning, he was holding them up. If you know what you're doing in boxing, you know how to hold somebody up to make it go longer so they can make whatever kind of money they want, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like Deontay Wilder just came in and he was just knocking everybody out. I don't think he completely learned the levels of what it is to box because it's not that Deontay Wilder can't fight. He can obviously fight and brawl, but he got outboxed. You are absolutely correct about that. When you see how, how many hits, how many hits that Tyson Fury had on top of Deontay Wilder, he just got outboxed. And then he didn't have the cardio to get through that. So I, I agree with you. He got outboxed. You know who who uh, Deontay Wilder reminds me, like this whole scenario, like we've seen it before. We just saw it in Kimbo Slice. Right? Yeah, yeah, Kimbo yeah. Kimbo Slice was a backyard fighter, right? Backyard underground fighter, power puncher, right? This man was so good and so hyped up that he got pushed into the point of actually going through the UFC, right? Yeah. And he started losing. He was not ready. <laughs> right, 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 right. We've right. seen this whole, this is a rerun for me. I'm like, I see Deontay Wilder, good fighter, right? You're good. You have a lot of power in those fists, bro. But sometimes it's up here and being able to tire out your opponents. Like, let's take Monday Night Football for an example. Lamar Jackson was down 19, between yeah. 19 yeah. and yeah. what was it? 20 points, like 19 and 20, 22 points, yeah. right? Yeah. And they still won because he beat that defense down and took advantage of what it was in the last part of the game. They were definitely tired, absolutely, yeah. Right, the defense had already had, had three people go out in the, in the third and fourth quarter. They were torn apart and tired in that OT to where it was just easy for Lamar. Boom, one drive, touchdown, yeah. right? Yeah. Deontay Wilder, you're like Kimbo Slice. I'm here, I got the power. But if you don't have the longevity of being able to span a 12-round fight, you're not going to win against somebody who can box. Well, Which is why Floyd, Me Floyd Mayweather, I actually think he's the greatest fighter that has ever stepped foot in a ring. Facts. I agree. Ever. He played the chess game of boxing. It wasn't about the knockout. It was like, look, I'm just going to do what I need to do. And as long as you don't touch me and I touch you, I'm gonna win. Yeah, I mean it's smart boxing to me. I mean because yeah. you 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 meet Floyd and Floyd doesn't. You can tell he doesn't have head um, head injuries. But I will tell you this, just based off what I know, being at the gym, Floyd was getting a, hit a lot early in his career, and he was like, "Man, I'm not gonna be able to sustain this for a long period of time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how not to get hit." <laughs> <laughs> which is right. the smartest thing ever. And and just going back to levels, like you use Kimbo Slice, 
people don't realize this about Kimbo Slice because I am a Kimbo Slice fan. Kimbo Slice was a street fighter. He he. Yeah. I, I went to the University of Miami. I I spent a lot of time in Florida. I know for a fact that he had street fights at the street. That's actually how I heard about Kimbo Slice. You know, street fights at the street fights, things like that. And then he got to get in there. But this is the deal. There's difference between a technical fighter and then a brawler. And I, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying right now. Tyson Fury is a technical fighter versus somebody like Deontay Wilder, who's a brawler. Kimbo Slice was a brawler. He gets in there. He gets woes. I will say this, too. Dustin Poirier against Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, after he won all that money versus Floyd Mayweather, he didn't train like he normally does. He didn't do any of that stuff. You have muscle memory. I can go out there right now. I played baseball for, for you know, uh, since I was three years old. I can go out there right now. Give me a little time to warm up. I'll start cracking home runs because it's called muscle memory, right? There's levels to it. Dustin Poirier, though, was still working on his game. He was getting better, which you can kind of tell. His level of fighting now is way larger than Conor McGregor's, in my personal opinion. I feel like you got to stay with the levels. You got to stay with the levels. Eventually, father time comes into play, which is what happened with Manny Pacquiao. Father time got to him, you know, still can. he? But this is the deal. He can still whoop Logan Paul's ass and, and Jake Paul's ass. I totally believe that 110 percent. But that's the reason why we have thing called weight classes. You won't ever see those guys fight. I want to see Canelo Alvarez fight one of those guys, though, because no, I you don't. I no, want to see that because I want to see that because I think he will beat the crap out of them. I agree with you. 100%. <laughs> Only either one of them can handle his power punches. Yeah, so, and and that goes us to my last question of the day, brother. Are the Buccaneers, are the, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now the Super Bowl favorites? Of course. Why not? That was easy. That was easy yeah. for you, right? Yeah. Hell yeah, no, I said not. They're not. They're not the number one favorite. My favorite right now to this day. Yeah, I see you look. The, just let me let me tell you, Dallas Cowboys. Man, you are out of your control. It's like you saying the Arizona Cardinals, the Buffalo Bills are my favorite to win the Super Bowl right now for all the things that you stated earlier on this episode. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Singletary. That offensive line is playing out of their control. That defense is playing out of their minds. Did you see that interception? Did you Bro, see that interception? I, I, and this is so just to touch on this real quick. This is one thing as to why I don't think that the Patriots are going to be back as quickly as you feel like because they still have to go against Buffalo. It's in their division. No, I, Buffalo, I didn't say that. Buffalo. Yeah, that's gonna be Buffalo's division for a few it, seasons. I, I said give it a few years. That's exactly what I yeah. said. I said give it a few years. But they're gonna go through horrible turmoil. I have a feeling it's gonna get worse before it gets better. So yeah. when you've got a team like Buffalo, you got an up and coming team like Miami, you're looking at third and fourth place. And, and, and to be and to be honest, I think Miami is just a quarterback away. I'm sorry, I don't think Tua is the person. I knew I knew that. Look where he came from. I think they need to just go ahead 
<laughs> but Mac Jones is proving you wrong, brother. No, he's not. No, he's not. He is. No, he's not. By the end no. of this year, this is you guys pay attention to this. By the end of this year, Michael Franz, as he has on a few occasions, will say, you know what? I was completely wrong about Mac Jones. I have, no, I will not say it. Yes, I don't. you will. No, yes, I'm that confident will. that I won't have to say any of that. But if it comes, I will always admit that I'm wrong. Yes. It's not very often, though. Yeah, but it's it's pretty often lately. Anyways, <laughs> Mike thinks that the Buccaneers are going to win it. I think that the Bills are my the Bills are my favorite to win the Super Bowl. I just said it. I I just love everything the makeup of this team. If they don't get Pat, I'm not gonna give up completely against Patrick Holmes, but they did beat the hell out of the Chiefs. So for my main man, Michael Friends, what are you gonna be doing this weekend, by the way? Um I don't know, man. I think I might be relaxing this weekend. It's been crazy. I'm still recovering from my AT&T journey over last weekend, bro. <laughs> okay, well, make sure you do your homework. Watch plenty of college football. Watch some WNBA games this weekend. Shout out to those Sun Devils, by the way. If you want to keep your eye on somebody, everybody I warned y'all about him, Jaden Daniels is the truth. Jaden Daniels. He is the truth. You're absolutely right about that. Yo, so I'm Mike, I'm Duante Keller Woods from my main man, Michael Friends. We are the host and the host of Take After the Take, and we will see you on Monday. Peace.